Finding the right CSR focus is a long process for most companies. But with Aflac, a cold call to their CEO one afternoon in the mid-90s gave them just that. With insurance, we're not selling a product, we're selling a promise. That's Catherine Blades, CCO at Aflac, and my guest on today's episode of the Arthur W. Page New CCO Podcast, where we explore what it takes to be a next-gen CCO. I'm Stacy Tank, CCO at The Home Depot. Today, I'm talking with Catherine about how Aflac found its social impact purpose and how they're keeping that conversation going on and offline. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Stacy. Catherine, what was the genesis of the Aflac Cancer Center? Stacy, that's a fascinating story. It began as a cold call to our CEO. In the mid-90s, a fund development professional from Children's Healthcare of Atlanta called our CEO and asked for a meeting. He took the meeting and was so touched by the work they were doing there. And he was really surprised by the fact that these children had to go as far away as Seattle, Washington to get the treatment they needed and deserved. The fund development professional was only asking for $25,000 at the time. Our CEO personally wrote a $3 million check for the naming rights to the Aflac Cancer Center. And that's where it began. It's unbelievable. It gives us a lot of faith to go make those cold calls. Something can come out of it. So for those who may not know, can you talk about Duck Prince? Because I've seen this online and Twitter going viral. Can you tell us where did it start? What is it all about? How does it live? Well, other companies might call it leaving their footprint. But because of our fine feathered friend, we prefer to leave our Duck Prince behind. The Duck Prince program started in 2013 as a way to create awareness in the digital space of all of the great things going on at the Aflac Cancer Center in the real world and in real time. That campaign also started with a promise. And we promised that every time someone used hashtag Duck Prince, we would donate $2 to the research and treatment of pediatric cancer on their behalf. It wasn't a challenge grant. It was not a match. It was simply an awareness campaign and a way to get people in the online world very, very connected to what was happening to the children at the Aflac Cancer Center. It's been highly successful. Can you talk about how the... Aflac Cancer Center and the Duck Prince campaign, how it makes sense for Aflac in the insurance space. It's interesting. We are a family company. We were founded by three brothers. Our current CEO is the son of one of those brothers. And the reason the three brothers, the Amos brothers, decided to start a cancer insurance company was because they saw their father pass away from cancer. And they knew how difficult it was to make the bills when the primary breadwinner was incapacitated. And that was the genesis of the company. And we haven't strayed far from that original premise and purpose. And we do that in large part through our work at the Aflac Cancer Center. Hearing about the Aflac Cancer Center and the Duck Prince campaign, it strikes me that you have both incredibly touching, emotional, and meaningful physical moments in the analog world, person to person. And then there's also a surround sound that you create through digital engagement. Can you talk more about that? It began with a social opportunity to create awareness about pediatric cancer through online social channels. And that effort was supported by four regional events a year. 
And these are our Duck Prince events where unsung heroes who are making a difference in the fight come together and they're recognized for their effort. I heard you did something different in 2016 to change it up and increase the impact that you're having with the campaign. Can you tell us about that? We did two things very differently in 2016. First, we became the national sponsor of CureFest. It brings 250 grassroots pediatric cancer associations together on the Washington Mall so that people will really understand that the truth is less than 4% of federal funding that goes toward cancer actually goes toward pediatric cancer. So you had these incredible events in D.C., and you had... 250 organizations, you had thousands and thousands of people, they all had a phone in their hand, right? How did you plus it up, the physical experience with the digital experience and get that hashtag going viral? What's interesting, you should say that because on the kickoff night, the very first event was at Freedom Plaza and we had over 100,000 people talking about us online during the event. There were thousands of people who attended events over the weekend, and all of those people reached out and touched their networks and their friends. So this whole concept of having third parties behind your digital effort is huge. So you weren't just talking about yourself. These weren't just Aflac people talking about the Cancer Center. These were nonprofits. These were families. These were moms and dads that were using their social channels to talk about what this effort meant to them and sharing that with their friends, which is so powerful. It's powerful and it's authentic content. And I think that's what people gravitate toward. When you were thinking about what success looks like as you changed things up in 2016, you did this new partnership, had these new experiences in Washington, what markers did you put in the ground in terms of measures of success? And looking back, how do you think it all measured up? One of our corporate goals is to do the right thing simply because it's the right thing to do. And that's the premise where we started. CureFest came together as a result of parents who wanted to make a difference and wanted to have a voice and wanted to let Washington know that they were there. And they did that in the most wonderful and powerful way. The other thing we did, though, was we wanted to take our four regional Duck Prince events and create a national dialogue on pediatric cancer. So we approached Washington Post Live, which is their event arm, and we asked them to pull together the greatest minds in treatment. We even had celebrities there. And we created a day-long national conversation about cancer for the very first time. It was web-streamed. 3,600 people tuned in from medical and research facilities around the country. We had hundreds of people in the audience, and we had a lot of journalists there. And I will tell you, when we did these real live, real world events like CureFest and like Chasing Cancer at the Washington Post, spikes of the hashtag duck prints went through the roof every time we did it. The other big lesson learned was it's a 360 degree surround sound approach that works best. We had the editorial media. We did satellite media tours around every event. We also had people attending real live events and then going back to the online space and talking about it. And that's when you really know things are working, when your digital efforts are boosting your real world efforts and your real world efforts are boosting what's happening online. talk about how Duck Prince and the initiative resonates with your associates, with your employees, and how that fulfills the promise that you talk about. How does that light them up? 
we've had a number of opportunities to recognize the unsung heroes in this fight, and some of those are our employees and some of those are members of the general public. We go to the Affleck Cancer Center once a month to deliver presents, to play bingo with the children. Catherine, let's talk about the systems that you have in place to manage your digital engagement. So if you can talk on a day-to-day basis about how you listen, how you use that information to garner insights to tell you when to engage. And I saw a lot of your activation around the duck at the Grammys, and maybe that's a good example to go into. That, that's a great example. People don't realize the coordination it takes. Let me back up for a minute. We're an insurance company. That's a financial institution in a highly regulated world. We have 50 different regulators because each state has their own department of insurance. So anytime we file a product, we have to file it 50 times. So imagine taking your duck to the red carpet. (laughs) It's absolutely insane. We have someone backstage who is working in real time, monitoring what's going on, creating content. Before it can be posted on behalf of the duck, it has to go to New York where the compliance people and the legal people and all of those folks are sitting during the Grammys, watching the Grammys, watching the duck on the red carpet, and getting the live feed in from Los Angeles. And then someone in Columbus, Georgia has to approve it because we're obviously based in Columbus, Georgia. So it's quite a production for the duck to have a very robust presence on social media at the Grammys, but it's totally worth it. People love it. I'm sure there are a lot of challenges that go with that in terms of trying to tell authentic stories while navigating all the layers of regulation that you face. Can you talk more about that? I think the people creating the content, and I'm being very candid here, would likely say the approval process is their biggest challenge. But I think everybody understands why we need to have a robust approval process to get things through. And sometimes that's tricky because the whole point of the digital world is to be immediate, relevant, on message, on the moment, if you will. And that doesn't always happen when you have to go through an approval process. Social media is great because it allows our customers to tell us what they like about us and when they have a challenge. And it's our job to solve their problem. That's part of the promise, is we remove the hurdles and solve your problems. We have a very robust process for doing this. I mentioned regulations, but the other things that we have to keep in mind are things like HIPAA and personal data about people's medical conditions, and we can't share that. So step one for us is when there is a challenge, take it offline as soon as possible and get it to a real live person and not a person in a chat room, a person who's going to pick up the phone, call that policyholder and solve their problem because the person who makes that call is totally empowered to solve that problem for that person. And that is key also. Catherine, let's talk about the future of digital engagement for Aflac. In a perfect world with unlimited resources, what do you wish you had available to you? That is a very difficult question, but I'm going to give you a counterintuitive answer. For me, it's not about technology for technology's sake. What I would do with those resources is hire more people and let the people drive the technology. Because at the end of the day, the whole purpose of technology is to facilitate, to make your life easier. So we want to meet our policyholders and all of our stakeholders where they want to be met, 
with the information that's relevant to them. One of the great uses of technology is the fact that it can empower our people to do their jobs better and facilitate helping that policyholder that much faster and that much more appropriately. So speaking of people, how are you looking to advance the technology for your sales force as you go into the future? We have 75,000 independent sales agents. Once they have a license, they can sell our product or a competitor's product. So we spend a lot of time communicating with them. We actually made their entire database Everything they need to know to walk in and sell a product is completely mobile-enabled now. Engagement on the mobile platform went up 85% by us just optimizing for mobile. Because when you think about it, again, online world, offline world. If someone is out seeing customers, they're likely selling product. If they're back at their office to find the do not call list online and all of the other things they need to know about each product, they're not out there doing their jobs. So the field loves it. And then we kind of crossed the Rubicon recently. What we learned was that the 75,000 people want to post stuff and very well intended, but maybe not necessarily on brand or maybe not necessarily in alignment with the company's reputation efforts. So in Q4 of last year, we launched a pilot, and we provided them with social media content in the form of a library that they could just go and pull the content and push it out. We are rolling it out to the entire field in 2017, and this will allow them to manage their accounts on social media, build meaningful online communities with their constituents, and help us to remain top of mind with decision makers as they're going through the process. One insight we've gleaned from Aflac is that digital strategies have to have a genesis in the real world. Can you talk about why that's especially true for the insurance industry? For us, it's not about likes or shares. It is about helping a family in a time of need. What I didn't tell you before was that the original fund development professional who came to Dan Amos's office to make the ask, had a daughter with childhood cancer. The daughter's name is Ainsley. And fortunately, because of all of the good work that has been done in this space over the course of so many years, Ainsley beat it. And she is now a nurse at the Aflac Cancer Center. And it's a great lesson in every person can make a difference. It's that authentic core that binds us to our policyholders. And if we can tell that story through digital media, then we've been successful. It's amazing to hear what you're doing with digital engagement at AFLAC. And for those of you who want to learn more about Duck Prince and the AFLAC Cancer Center, visit the AFLAC website under Corporate and Social Responsibility. Catherine, thank you again for this awesome discussion. Thank you, Stacey. It was fun. That's all for this episode of the new CCO podcast. We hope you'll join us again.